We're not going to cover most of these races. The only thing we're going to tell you to do is to vote for Tom Hallinan. Hey all, welcome to the Ground Game Podcast. I'm your host Bushido Squirrel, and today we're going to be doing a knock voter guide. Um, before we do that, I have to kind of roll things back for a second. So, while I was recording our voter guide, there was a shooting in front of our office. I stopped recording because I heard all the shots. I'm shook at the moment. I'm recording this very raw. The shooting happened less than an hour ago. Um, in, in these situations, time time dilates. Um, to, to let you know, to sort of like just give you the play-by-play, as I was finishing up our recommendations for the Board of Equalization, perhaps the most boring part of your ballot, six shots rang out. I heard them in my headphones. I immediately stood up, stopped the recording, and ran downstairs because I did not believe it was a shooting. I figured it had to be something else. It couldn't. Somebody didn't just fire off six shots on Hollywood Boulevard in the middle of a fairly peaceful, friendly block. Like, we know all of our neighbors here. We know everyone who owns a business in this building where we lease our office, and they're all really nice, cool people. But anyways, I run downstairs and then down by a bench, which would be towards my left coming out of the office towards uh, Western, I saw a man lying on the ground and I saw some people tending to him. I ran over. The chef from Catch 56 was already there working out a tourniquet, working to staunch the bleeding. Uh, a nurse uh, or EMT ran up and said and identified herself as a medical uh, provider, somebody that would be able to deal with this situation. I uh, grabbed towels from Catch 56 and we worked to staunch the bleeding while we waited for an ambulance. While we waited for an ambulance, what seemed like an eternity, but I, I guarantee was no more than five or ten minutes. Um, but people were screaming that it was taking 15, 20 minutes. It, it didn't take that long, but it felt like an eternity. The, the man who was shot was shot three times, uh, once in the leg, once in the stomach, and once in the chest. Uh, he, he was alert and responsive the entire time while we were taking care of him. He uh, was obviously in a great deal of pain. He was incredibly surprised by what happened because the shooting seemed incredibly random. Um, no one was sure what had set it off, if anything. Nobody was sure why anything had resulted in gunshots. While we waited for the ambulance around uh, probably about a dozen cops, about four cop cars, five, six cop cars showed up uh, and began locking down the scene. We had police with more guns far sooner than we had an ambulance. And the ambulance is only three blocks away from us. Like there is an entire fire station just three blocks down towards the west on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, but it took them longer to respond than an entire squadron of cops. Uh, the cops immediately went into manhunt mode, locked down Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, cop cars went speeding down into the neighborhood streets, uh, looking for the person who apparently had fled south. Uh, a, police a police helicopter was overhead. Uh, it, it went on. It was full manhunt style for LAPD. The ambulance showed up. The paramedics did their work, stabilized the guy, put him in the ambulance and took him to a hospital, um, presumably for surgery. Uh, from what I saw there, there were no um, um, exit wounds. Uh, there was not a lot of blood, but he was he was definitely bleeding. Um, it, it, at one point, he had we had found the 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 we had found the the bullet wound uh, in his left leg, and the the chef from Calf Fifty Six had fashioned a tourniquet out of his belt. 
Um, the, the man was complaining that he felt like he had gotten shot in other places, that he felt like he got shot in his stomach. So I, I lifted up his shirt and there on the right side of his stomach was a bullet wound. And then he complained that he think he, he might've gotten shot in the chest. There, there wasn't a lot of blood. And so I pulled up his shirt more and there, um, over in his right peck, there was another bullet wound, um, not bleeding a lot, but, but a bullet wound, um, Look, I, I, I trained as uh, a lifeguard. Like, I've got first aid experience. I've dealt with some incredibly bloody situations in my day. Um, this still has me shook. I, I don't really know what to say here other than I'm really happy that he he's not dead, um, that the man who was shot will probably be okay, um, that he, he is in good hands with the doctors and paramedics that we have in this city. But at the same time, like most other developed nations don't deal with this kind of random street violence. The number of guns we have on our street is way, way too high. You know, it, it's it makes no sense that we can live in a society where we have such insanely militarized police that we spend billions of dollars a year on. And yet we can't staunch this epidemic of gun violence in our cities. And it's not like the police are going to solve that. I don't mean to give the impression. I think, hey, more cops with more guns is going to solve gun violence. No, you don't solve gun violence with people capable of doing more violence. I, I, what I was happy to see was the neighbors and the people on the block pulled together and talking and working this out and going through a cathartic moment with people that they can trust. At the same time, this was incredibly scary. At the same time, this is a moment when your heart stops, when those shots go off. And you know the sound of a gunshot. Like, even if you've never heard an actual gunshot, it's a sound that doesn't sound like something else. I'm going to get into the voter guide. Like, we're going we're gonna to put that out because that's, that's the purpose of this. But I think that this fundamentally crystallizes one reason why I'm active in ground game and why I think other people who are in ground game or in other community organizations or just being neighbors, being people are so concerned about this and wanting to build a better world. You should not have to worry that walking down the street to lunch, you're going to get shot. And that's not like an insane pie in the sky idea. We shouldn't have to live in a world where, like, your life may be dependent on the fact that a random stranger is willing to help you after you get shot. You know, six people jumped in and immediately started helping this person. A few people were filming and some people started yelling at people for filming, but we live in a spectacle society. People are going to film, especially if you don't know what to do. If you don't know how to help, you're probably going to grab your phone and film the surreal thing that just happened in front of you. I'm not trying to shame or yell or, or get angry at the people who immediately picked up their phones and started recording what was happening. It, it's, it's more a matter of the fact that we haven't built a society that deals with these issues or protects us from seemingly random acts of violence. You know, if we want to see an end to this kind of stuff, if we want to see a better society built, it's not going to be because we gave LAPD $4 billion a year, $10 billion a year. We're going to build a better society because we want to build that for ourselves and our neighbors. You know, I, I'm kind of oscillating between anger and extreme sadness. 
uh, the the adrenaline rush is beginning to wear off and and my brain is beginning to settle into that haze of a post-trauma. It's not a fun place to be. And too many of us exist in that state every day, even in the course of our normal lives. We can't run a society where everyone is traumatized. We can't build a better future when everyone is stuck in their defense mechanisms because they're afraid. We have to find the bravery and the courage to stand up together so this doesn't happen. And I know that that seems like an insane request. Until we build that world and it will seem insane that this sort of thing ever happened. Anyways, I thank you very much for bearing with me through this cathartic moment. Uh, the way I deal with trauma and the way that I deal with surprising and upsetting and disturbing events is to talk about it. And I want to sincerely thank you for listening to me ramble and rant for a few minutes. Um, because this, if we're not voting to put an end to this sort of thing, if we're not organizing to put an end to this sort of violence and life-threatening behavior, then what are we doing? Ultimately, everything that we do and everything that we orient towards has to be building a world in which we all feel safe and secure. A world in which we all know that we can walk down the street and know that we'll get home safe. Anyways, without further ado, here's Knock.LA's Voter Guide for 2018's midterms. This week, we're talking voter guides in the state of California. So as you know, we publish Knock.LA. This is our second voter guide that we've ever done because, hey, we've only been around for two elections. But let's get into the midterms. We're going to start off at the top with the state propositions. So uh, what I'll do is I'll give you a breakdown on what the proposition is and then which way we think you should vote on it. If we're kind of ambivalent, I'll fill you in on which way we're kind of recommending or which way our writers are leaning. But remember, this is just kind of a guide. You should probably read a few, read up on the races, figure out what it is that you want to be voting for and what you want the state to look like after this election. But anyways, let's start with the proposition. So proposition one is a $4 billion bond for veterans housing, basically to build housing for vets who might find themselves unable to afford rent, who are currently living unhoused, or are in other dire circumstances. We're saying yes, house veterans. Like these are folks who have given a portion of their lives to serve our country. Whether you agree or disagree with military service, we still owe these veterans some semblance of a life, especially if they've gone through the traumatic experience of combat or serving in a war zone. Asking them to come back to society without any support is incredibly, incredibly bad. So let's get them some housing and get folks off the street. Proposition two is a $2 billion bond funded by a millionaire's tax for homelessness prevention. So basically this will take $2 billion generated by taxing the wealthiest Californians and use it to build housing and flesh out our homeless services. Basically to give people more opportunities to get into permanent supportive housing, get into bridge housing, deal with any issues that they might be dealing with. We are recommending a yes vote on Prop 2. Proposition 4 is $1.5 billion in bonds for children's hospitals. Again, we're saying yes on this one. Our, our hospitals in California are really under a lot of dire financial threat. Uh, not only are they paying insane amounts of money for medical supplies and medication and having to pay out to insurers and negotiating with Medicare and Medicaid, but children's health care is uniquely expensive and puts a huge burden on families. Let's make sure that when kids get sick, that they have the care that they need to get better and that families have the support to make it through that struggle. So again, Proposition 4 that's a yes. Proposition 5 is an expansion of tax credits under Proposition 13. Now, Prop 13 is from 1978 and basically makes it so that most homeowners in California and corporations are paying artificially low property taxes. Now, there's already a carve out in Proposition 13. 
for people who move to smaller or same size houses within LA County or a participating county. So like if you're an elderly couple with too big of a house and you decide to sell it and move to a smaller house under the current regime, you would be able to keep your low tax rates by moving into a smaller house. So clearing out that bigger house for another family to move into it, because as you get older, you probably don't need as much space. Your children have probably left the house. You can do with less and you can also like lower the amount of housework that you're doing, the amount of like yard tending that you're doing. Proposition five would expand this tax credit beyond reason. What it would say is that anyone who's got artificially low tax rates under Prop 13 and is over the age of 55 or disabled could buy any size house anywhere in the state of California and still keep those artificially low tax rates. So if you live in a $1 million house and you move to a $2 million house, you're not going to be paying property taxes based on that $2 million house you just bought. You're going to be paying property taxes on that $1 million house that you sold. So Prop 5, while it's being sold as a way to help seniors and a way to help people who are disabled and a way to help low-income Californians, it does not apply to most of those people. The only people who will fully be able to take care of this tax credit are wealthy Californians, millionaires and up, people who can afford to buy bigger houses and also people who can afford to buy a house in this economy. You know, if you're in a house in LA and you're able to sell it for like six or $700,000, you're probably not going to be able to buy a house. Median home prices in Los Angeles right now are over a million dollars. Just being able to buy a house takes a lot of wealth. So when the backers of Prop 5 say that they're protecting our neighborhoods and helping low-income Californians, they are flat out lying. We are recommending a no vote on Prop 5. No on 5. We need to undo Prop 13. We need to start refilling the hole that has been left by this incredible giveaway to wealthy Californians under Prop 13. Proposition 5 makes that problem way worse. It can cost us up to a billion dollars a year. So vote no on 5 to protect a billion dollars a year in tax revenue that we'd otherwise lose. Proposition 6 is a repeal of the recently passed gas tax. Now, the gas tax is basically a regressive tax. It's a, a sales tax at the pump. Basically, every gallon of gas that you buy gets taxed, and that goes to the states for road infrastructure, maintenance, and road development. Uh, Proposition 6 looks to repeal that tax entirely, which is a real problem for the state of California. The 2008 recession left our roads and bridges in a really sorry state. If we're going to build our way out of this, if we're going to fix our roads, fill our potholes, make sure our bridges don't collapse, we need to make sure we're taking in enough tax revenue year after year to pay for that required maintenance. A yes vote on Proposition 6 would mean that the state is in even more dire straits. We would not be able to pay for our roads, our bridges, our infrastructure that gets most of us around. So we're recommending a hard no on Proposition 6. While the gas tax isn't great, the state coffers and our infrastructure badly, badly need this money. Proposition 7 is a proposal to make daylight savings time permanent. So basically, you would no longer have to spring forward or fall back like we wouldn't change our clocks. We're recommending a yes on 7 because the time changes, they literally kill people. There are more heart attacks, more strokes, more car accidents when we change clocks. People lose sleep. People don't like it. It's also really, really silly. Like, it's a, a strange thing that came out of World War One that kind of got picked up by all the states as a way to, quote, save energy. Turns out that it doesn't save us any energy. Let's not forget, back in like 1940, 14, when they passed this, people did not have central air. People did not have the internet. People did not have TV. Our modern energy use is way different than it was back then. We use energy 24 hours a day. That AC unit you're running all day doesn't save any more energy just because you moved your clock back an hour. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense in our modern economy. So, again, we're voting yes on seven. Become a Time Lord. Take control of the power of time. If you'd like to read more about Proposition 7, then Terry's got a great write-up over at Knock.LA.
Proposition 8 is a regulatory schema for dialysis centers. Basically, it would limit the amount of revenue that a dialysis center could take into 115% of cost. Now, the two biggest dialysis companies in California, DaVita and Fresnius, both claim profit margins of about 17% a year, which is almost five times what most hospitals in the state of California make. This would help rein in the costs, stop them from abusing Medicare, Medicaid, and Medi-Cal, stop using chronically ill patients as ATMs, and basically bring a lot more oversight to how these sites are conducted. If you'd like to read more about Proposition 8, you can head over to Knock.LA and read my write-up on it. We're recommending a yes on 8. We need to regulate the kidney dialysis industry in the state of California. Proposition 10. Now, this is the big proposition on the ballot, in case you haven't noticed the amount of money and ads that are flying fast and furious from both sides. Proposition 10 would repeal Costa-Hawkins, which is a 1995 state-level law that freezes rent control across California. If you had rent control or rent stabilization before 1995, it gets frozen and you can't change it. If you didn't have rent control, you can't pass it under Costa-Hawkins. It really severely limits the amount of leverage and innovation that cities and localities can engage in to stabilize rents or make sure that renters are aren't getting gouged. Basically, what would happen after Prop 10 passes is that cities like Los Angeles would be able to pass new rent control or rent stabilization regimes. We're already seeing this at the county board level where they've instituted three rent freezes for people who live in unincorporated Los Angeles. Proposition 10 is getting a lot of juice from the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, the Alliance of Californians for Community Engagement, uh, Ground Game, Power. Basically, if there's a lefty organization out there, they are telling you vote yes on Proposition 10, let's repeal Costa Hawk and bring some safety to renters. If you'd like to read more on Prop 10, Steve Ducey has a really great write-up over at Knock.LA that you can check out. We are recommending Yes on 10. Again, Yes on 10. Let's make history, California. Let's bring rent control to our neighbors and protect our communities. Proposition 11 is a little bit of a weird one. So basically what it would do, it would allow private sector emergency ambulance employees to be kept on call during paid break times. Now this proposition basically comes out of just one ambulance company that owes its employees across the state of California about $110 million in unpaid overtime. Now there's not a huge listed opposition to it and the only people really in favor of it are the private ambulance companies. Now Terry has a really great write up on Knock.LA where he talks about his experiences in EMT and the downsides of passing proposition. 11. Basically, one downside that's not getting talked about enough is that if this law passes, those ambulance companies are going to punish municipalities and localities here in California by either increasing response times because they don't have as many employees or by charging far more for the services that they are currently providing. This is kind of a lose-lose no matter what. Uh, Nock is taking an official neutral position. The California Democratic Party has come out and said yes on Proposition 11. There seems to be more juice flowing towards yes on 11, but this is one where either side kind of presents a loss for the voters of California. So you're going to have to make up your own mind on that one. Again, Nock is kind of neutral. For my own part, I'm leaning towards a no on 11, but I don't really know what the solution would be if we passed 11. So now we're going to move down to LA local ballot measures. Now there are a lot of like tax revenue and election alignment propositions that are happening in various cities and at the county level. We're not really taking a stance. There's just far too many of those. Like we can't comment on every single sales tax proposal from the San Fernando Valley down to Torrance. Instead, we're going to hit the two big propositions that are going on here. First, City Charter Amendment B. So Charter Amendment B would allow the city of Los Angeles to form a public bank, basically an infrastructure bank funded by our tax dollars to pay for infrastructure and government business here in our city. So like right now, if you want to fill a pothole, what the city of Los Angeles does is it goes to Wells Fargo and it's like, hey, 
we need a thousand bucks to fill a pothole. And Wells Fargo's like, all right, we'll loan you a thousand bucks. Here's your reasonable interest rate. By the time we're done paying off that loan, we've paid $2,000 to fill a $1,000 pothole. We keep doing that. Every year, California sends $1.1 billion in interest payments to Wall Street banks. If you add up the principal, the total that we send to Wall Street banks year over year is $3 billion. Voting yes on Charter Amendment B will allow us to build the infrastructure that we need to get away from that. We'll be able to control our own finances and decide what happens to our tax dollars without paying interest to Wall Street. And that's really the key here, is taking away the power of the big banks and building out a new infrastructure. The divestment movement here in LA had some really big successes, getting Wells Fargo like kicked out of the list of banks that could handle our money. At the same time, LA City's budget is $9 billion. There are only so many financial institutions on the planet that can handle that amount of cash. In order to get away from the Wall Street banks, we have to build our own bank. And look, voting yes on Charter Amendment B does not establish a public bank. It allows us to figure out what that's going to look like. Now, that will also have to go hand in hand with several changes at the state level that will allow us to license and insure this kind of bank, work that's going to be going on for a couple of years. But if everything goes right and everyone votes yes on Charter Amendment B within the next two to five years, Los Angeles will have a public bank. Also, voting yes on Charter Amendment B is a historic moment. We will be the first city to vote on whether or not we can do this. We will be one of the biggest cities in the world deciding, yes, we want to establish a public bank. Come join us. Be part of history. Yes on Charter Amendment B. Next, County Measure W. So this is a parcel tax for flood control districts in LA County. It's mainly going to affect South LA. Now there's a lot of good arguments to be made that the water management districts are pretty corrupt and they've had a lot of problems. They have. I'm not going to detail them right now, but it's not pretty. It's fairly extreme grift at a local level and grift that involves something that's very near and dear to all of us. Like we all need water to live. We all understand the problems that happened in Flint, Michigan when people did not take care of the water supply and how sick communities got. Now, Measure W has some good detractors saying that we probably can't trust people with this money and that the management that might be brought to bear on it will be less than stellar. Even with that in mind, we're recommending a yes on Measure W. We need to be spending more money on reclaiming water, on our flood control districts, and also it doesn't hurt to make property owners pay their fair share so that we can improve the infrastructure for everyone in our communities. Again, this is a yes with some reservations and a yes with, hey, we need better community engagement. We need more activism and engagement in our bureaucratic processes in order to make this work. However, starving them of money at this point in time is a really, really bad idea. Plus, with Prop 13 still on the books, there's a lot of commercial property owners that get away with paying way too few taxes. So making them pay taxes based on the amount of land that they own here in California is a fair way of shifting that burden back to wealthy Californians and corporations. So again, we're recommending yes on W with reservations. So now we're going to move on to statewide offices. Now, there's some really big races here, and they've been a little bit boring. Some have been kind of exciting, but we ha- we have a few endorsements up on Knocked Out LA that you can go check out. So we're going to start off with the race for U.S. Senator. Right now, the race is between two Democrats, uh, Dianne Feinstein, who has held the seat since 1992, and Kevin DeLeon, who is currently president pro tempore of the California State Senate. Basically, Dianne Feinstein has been in the office for a very, very long time. Kevin DeLeon is a nice, fresh change. He has some bold 
old, interesting ideas. He still skews pretty, like, centrist Democrat, but I think he'll do fine working in the Senate. We're recommending voting for Kevin DeLeon over Dianne Feinstein. While Dianne Feinstein has a long and storied career, she has been in the office for nearly 30 years. She's worth nearly $100 million and is very out of touch with the average Californian. It's time for us to send somebody to the Senate who understands what regular Californians are going through and has new ideas about how we can push our agenda there. While Feinstein deserves a lot of respect for her strong pro-life stance throughout her career, it's time for a new face. So for U.S. Senate, we endorse Kevin DeLeon. Now for governor. Now, as an interesting aside, I woke up on Saturday, the day that I'm uh, recording this, and found that I had a letter from John Cox waiting for me online. Uh, apparently, he did not like my written endorsement of Gavin Newsom, but guess what? Knock is going to double down. Uh, I will be posting a response to Mr. Cox's letter, which was very nice and gracious, but I still think very wrongheaded. But Gavin Newsom is not the most exciting candidate for governor. This has been a pretty low-voltage race overall. He's good enough to win your vote, uh, if not your loyalty. At this point, we see Newsom as more movable and more in line with the values of everyday Californians. John Cox is an incredibly wealthy man. He has lost a ton of elections. He has had some incredibly bad political ideas. There is no reason to reward him with the governorship. At this point, the race looks like it's a little bit tighter than it should be, but I think that Newsom is definitely going to pull it out. I sincerely hope that he does. Let's not remember that we went overwhelmingly for Hillary in 2016. Those trends should hold, but again, you can do your part. Vote yes for Gavin Newsom. Feel a little bit like bad about it and then get ready to yell at him a whole bunch to pursue a more progressive agenda. Now, for L.A. County Sheriff, we're recommending Alex Villanueva. Now, to, to you know, cut right to the quick, we're voting between cops. Whether we elect Jim McDonnell or Alex Villanueva, we're still voting for a cop who's going to run a department full of cops. Now, Villanueva has set himself out by saying he would not collaborate with ICE, but this promise has gotten a little bit murky over time, and he's basically changed to saying, well, I won't collaborate with ICE, and that means that when I turn prisoners over to ICE, I'll just make sure I do that outside the jail instead of turning them in inside the jail where that happens now. Jim McDonnell has also given about 2,000 inmates over to ICE since 2012. He has been very open in his collaboration with ICE. He even lied to the LA Times and reporters and the public when he said that he did not collaborate with ICE closely within jails. Then it came out that ICE had an entire computer room inside LA County jails just to look at prisoners who are about to be released to figure out who they wanted to grab for deportation. McDonald also has a list of 300 dirty officers that he will not release to the public. That means there are 300 folks in the LA County Sheriff's Department who have incredibly bad records and should probably not keep their careers as cops. McDonald has done very little to out these folks or to discipline them. Villanueva has also indicated that he would want to crack down on misbehavior by deputies in the LA County Sheriff's Office, uh, so we'll have to see how that one goes forward. It, when it comes down to it, Villanueva looks like he's a little bit of a better choice. He's a little bit less cop-like, but more than anything, the reason that we're recommending Alex Villanueva for sheriff is that Jim McDonald would be the first sheriff in over a century to lose a re-election bid, and I would like to send a cop home, even if it means voting for a different cop. Sending that win, sending that clear message to the County Board of Supervisors and to cops across the county that we're fed up with their stuff and we're ready to fire them from their jobs is a really powerful message that we can send with one vote. So again, for LA County Sheriff, we recommend Alex Villanueva. 
For Attorney General, we're backing Javier Becerra. Uh, he's been doing a pretty decent job fighting the Department of Justice uh, and standing up for California as we keep getting sued by the federal government over things like SB 822, the net neutrality bill that was just signed, or SB 54, the sanctuary state bill. Uh, Becerra is, you know, pretty decent, middle-of-the-road Democrat. He's done enough to earn your vote, and, you know, and I think he deserves to keep his job. Um, so, again, not a super enthusiastic endorsement, but, you know, for Attorney General, Javier Becerra. For Secretary of State, Alex Padilla. This one, we're saying vote for Padilla, but it's not really an endorsement of Padilla. Padilla's opponent in this is a Republican. We're not advocating voting for any Republicans anywhere on the ticket, especially in these partisan races. Now, Padilla has a list of mistakes and problems and just outright screw-ups under his belt. He garnered a lot of controversy in the 2016 primary between Bernie and uh, Hillary Clinton by being slow on counting ballots, having a lot of people left off the rolls accidentally, quote-unquote, and then in the uh, primaries in June 5th, about 180,000 people in Los Angeles found that they had been mistakenly uh, not included on the voter rolls and were forced to vote provisionally, which means that their ballot doesn't necessarily get counted. So, so when we say vote for Alex Padilla, we're not really saying, hey, we like Alex Padilla he's our man. It's more like, well, the other choice is a Republican and he's going to do an even worse job. So I guess Alex Padilla should keep his job for this election cycle. Uh, this is an endorsement, non-endorsement. You know, don't vote for the Republican. He's the only choice left. For Treasurer, we're backing Fiona Ma. Again, uh, this is another endorsement, non-endorsement. Her opponent is a Republican. We do not advocate voting for Republicans in this election cycle. So Fiona Ma should keep her job. For controller, we're endorsing, non-endorsing Betty Yee. She's an adequate Dem versus a cartoonishly evil Republican. Uh, do not even worry about who he is. You don't really need to think about the guy. Betty Yee should definitely earn your vote for controller this year. For insurance commissioner, we're endorsing, non-endorsing Ricardo Lara. Now again, his opponent is a cartoonishly weird Republican. His name is Stephen Poisner. He's running his no party preference, but Poisner has been a lifelong Republican, has held office as a Republican. He's a Republican. Don't allow his ballot gimmickry to to fool you. Uh, you want to vote for Ricardo Lara, the Democrat. Uh, Lara has been doing a decent job. Um, insurance commissioner isn't all that super exciting, but as we see the ACA coming under pressure from Congress and the federal government, we're going to need someone who's willing to stand up to the big insurance companies, and Ricardo Lara has been doing a decent job of that. So endorsement, non-endorsement for insurance commissioner, Ricardo Lara. Superintendent of Public Instruction, we want to give a full-throated endorsement to Tony Thurmond. He is a young, very interesting candidate, very engaged in education, and looking to fight back against the privatization of our schools and the growth of charter schools. It's really important that Tony Thurmond wins this and can start setting the tone at the state level so that people like Anthony Villaraigosa can't push their pro-charter school agenda. We need more investment in public education. We need more investment in our students. We need more investment in our teachers. That does not mean giveaways or or tax subsidies, or more money for privatized education. Public schools are a societal good, and we want someone as superintendent who is going to fight for them. So a resounding yes for Tony Thurman. So the Board of Equalization is actually several races that are being run. We're not going to touch on all of them. Now, the Board of Equalization was kind of a weird tax bureaucracy type thing. It, it lost most of its power and probably shouldn't be around anyways. So we're saying vote for the guy who wants to tear it down and do away with that kind of stupid system that's already got no teeth. Uh, the fact that we're still having elections for this, the fact that people are still running for it is really silly because it's unclear how much power they're really going to wield or what the use of that position is. It's just basically going to become a giveaway for what wealthy folks who run and win office and then are able to make their career by sitting by basically getting paid decent salaries by our tax money. 
We don't really need that. We can clear out some inefficiency. So the only person we're endorsing for Board of Equalization is Tom Hallinan. Now we're moving on to U.S. Congress. So we're going to go not cover every district because there are way too many in California and most of them don't relate to us. So we're just kind of going to go through quickly and uh, name the big districts that we think that you should definitely be voting in. So in District 22, Andrew Jans. In District 23, Tatiana Mata. In District 25, Katie Hill. And if you'd like to read more on this, and if you'd like to read more on this, you can check out Knock.LA. Spike Friedman has a really, really good endorsement up talking about why he's supporting Katie Hill. Quote, Katie Hill has the most compelling resume, the better platform, and the best chance to flip LA County's lone remaining Republican congressional seat. So if you get the chance to vote against Steve Knight and for Katie Hill in CD25, definitely do it. District 34, Kenneth Mejia. Kenneth Mejia is the only Green in a congressional race in California at the moment, so it's really important to make sure that third-party candidates get a good showing at the ballot. He's running against Democratic incumbent Anthony Gomez. Gomez, who was recently installed in a sparsely attended special election because Javier Becerra vacated the seat, with no conservative in the race, voters have a chance to step outside the two-party system and back the more progressive candidate. So again, District 34, vote Green, vote Mejia. District 37, which is my district, by the way, Karen Bass. She's fantastic. Let's keep her in her seat. District 43, well, of course, we're going to vote for Maxine Waters. District 45, we want Katie Porter to replace the Republican incumbent. District 48, we want Harley Ruda to replace the Republican incumbent. And District 50 is Amar Kampanajir. Now, he is running against Duncan Hunter, who is like the Republican poster child for corruption and grift. Him and his wife have taken hundreds of thousands of dollars from their campaigns, spent it in incredibly silly, stupid ways, and tried to basically defraud all of their fundraisers. Uh, Duncan Hunter still has a chance to win. He should not win. That amount of grift and bald-faced malfeasance should not win you a seat in Congress. And yes, I know, Congress is already very corrupt. But you can fix this by voting for Amar Kampa Najjar in District 50. Now we're going to move to some down-ballot races that don't really get a lot of coverage. We're going to talk about judges very quick. So now, in Office 4, vote for Veronica Sauceda. In Office 16, Sidney Mitchell. In Office 60, Holly Hancock. In Office 113, Michael Ribbons. And then for the appellate courts, you should vote no on Humes and Margulies. Well, I hope this has been a really big help. I hope this helps flesh out some of your ideas or some of the thoughts that you may have before voting. If you've got your mail-in ballot, you can fill that out right now. Drop it in the mail with or without postage and it'll get counted. You can also wait until the day of the election and go drop it at any polling place on November 6th and it'll definitely get counted. For those of you that are going to be going to the polling places, something that I like doing. I just kind of like the tradition of it and like getting the sticker from the poll worker. Remember, polls will be open November 6th from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And they'll actually stay open later than 8 p.m. if there are people still in line. So make sure you get out there and get voting. And if you are not registered to vote, the deadline for voting is October 22nd. It's coming up really, really quickly. If you aren't registered yet, go to lavote.net and get yourself registered. You can also get yourself sent a mail-in ballot. If you know anyone who is under the age of 18, 16 or 17 and wants to pre-register to vote, they can fill that out now. And when that person turns 18, they will automatically be registered to vote. So let's get everyone registered to vote. Look, voting will not be the only thing that saves us. It is one part of our toolbox in reorganizing and fixing our society. Thank you very much for listening. Get out there, make sure your voice is heard, and then never stop agitating for a better world.